Hey, Broadway people, best you can't guess what we're doing today. Join us in just a few. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. Oh, <laughs> Jackie's left out. Just, just fake it. I here. don't have a wand. Jackie, here. There's there you go. Wanded. There you go. <laughs> she got a wand. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Broadway Breakdown. We are doing Harry Potter and the Cursed Child today, if you couldn't guess from everything we have out here. But I'm so excited to get into this. Those listening, we were <laughs> waving wands about, and we're okay. having a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, just uh, I always forget to say and that. And I like we do we do have a representative from each uh, Hogwarts house. house. Yes, yes. We do. I am of course Slytherin. I am a Hufflepuff. I'm a Ravenclaw. And I'm a Gryffindor. And you can now go back through. We'll say where we can find you. <laughs> <laughs> and who we like, are. Who are you? Are you people? I am Brianna Phipps, your host. I will be Bphips14 Twitter, Instagram, Bphips1214 on Snapchat. And I'm Tiana Hobson. You can find me at the Tiana Hobson on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, repping Ravenclaw, Zach Wilson. That Zach Wilson. Uh, repping Gryffindor, one, two, three, Jackie B on all platforms. We're proud of our houses. They're they're not. And just so you guys, know. I know, right? <laughs> I've got on my Hufflepuff. <laughs> I have like button. two things. I have my apparently the Rock patch. is a Hufflepuff. Yeah, the Rock is a Hufflepuff. So don't mess with us. <laughs> Um, and just so you guys know, we do have a Facebook page for Broadway Bakedown. We have a Twitter under Broadway B Down. Um, you can also please like and subscribe us on iTunes, SoundCloud. We're on Google Play now. And then, of course, this video. Like that little button right below here. Um, of course, before we get into this, we're going to do our news topics for this week real quick. And this is always brought to us by Robert Diamond and BroadwayWorld.com. Um, so first up, we have Newsies. is going to be filmed in theaters. And it's actually going to be filmed at the Pantages. Um, for the September, so they're filming the show. Filming I didn't show. okay because I was like reading the article and was like, they're just making another movie. No, no, they're <laughs> I'm so film, confused. They're gonna film the live Broadway production, the September 11th show. So if you're at that show at the Pantages, that's the one they're filming. They're bringing back a ton of people: Jeremy Jordan, Kara uh, Lindsay, Ben Frankhanser, and Andrew Jordan, Keenan Bolger, um, all from the original production on Broadway. So that should be fun. Cool. I mean, that's an exciting show. There's a lot of movement and dancing i was exhausted for the cast just watching it from my seat i was like how are they climbing all the way up there so it's i think it's i'm excited the to dancing see. is amazing yeah in that show. it really is it. i'm excited that they're doing more of these live tapings because i think it's a great way to get people who don't live near a major theater production the access to this i think it's also a great way to increase revenue streams so that you can do more like make more musicals because you can increase like your box office and grows. also widen yeah. your audience people that maybe don't know what it is go see it in theaters because it's way cheaper yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> and then love the show and go see it when it comes mm-hmm. through um charlie the chocolate factory is being made into a musical starring christian borrell of course <laughs> of course. I'm excited about that i think it'll be fun <laughs> christian borrell of course he was in spam a lot legally blonde smash the tv show uh so he'll be great in it I, the they have teaser trailers. If you go to the article, they have like two little teaser trailers you can watch that are fun. The teaser trailers anything. to me, yeah, it, like <laughs> I was a little bit disappointed in the sense that like they're like really just teasers. They don't even they're not even staged on a set or anything. No. So I was like, I'm not really sure what's happening. The only here. thing I liked was the slow little song of Oompa Loompa song. Yeah, at the very end, that was like very <laughs> exciting for me. And and that I saw he was holding like a playbook that said, and then like. I mean, C-Man, Candyman. 
Because oh. I was like, I had to put in a song in there. I want that song. Yeah. <laughs> I like that song. Um, so that's going to be opening up on March 28th, 2017 um, for pre-shows and then officially on April 23rd at the Broadway's Lunt Fontaine Theater. So if you're in New York, check it out. Um, Norm Lewis is going to star as Don Quixote I feel and like, I feel like uh, Robert Diamond just gave us that information just to make me happy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like really Man of La Mancha, but now I'm like, maybe I should just fly to New York just to see Norm Lewis in a musical I'm not crazy about. For those of you that were not with us last week, Jackie probably spent 90% of the conversation. I'm just kidding. I'm a creepy stand for Norm Lewis. It's like, it's getting uncomfortable. The fact that, like, if I met him, I don't know what would happen. Oh, that's... You that's don't like Man of La Mancha, though? I don't really like Man of La Mancha. I like that musical. I saw it when I was, uh, like, 10, I think. I like it. Uh, I don't know. I mean... I think it's that the music itself in the musical doesn't really do it for me. And oh, that's the only thing I remember from it. Yeah, it's like, I as a play, I was like, eh, it's okay. But the, the music itself, I was like, eh, it's not really, it doesn't really stand out to me. Uh, well, if you want to see that, that's only, it's going to be a limited engagement. It's going to be at the Fifth Avenue Theater, October 7th through the 30th um, of this year. So you'll have so a very you, short window so to play. You should see yeah, the like amazing Norm Lewis. <laughs> Yeah, Sing I'm, a musical that I'm not crazy about. <laughs> like, I am excited that Norm Lewis is doing it, because he's just, he's great. I would see I, him do anything. Yeah. He's, like, so phenomenal. <laughs> um, and then we also have performance of the last five years is going to be doing a special charity performance. Um, that's going to take place September 12th. Uh, and it, all the proceeds are going to be going to the Brady Center. Um, it's going to star Cynthia Erivo and Joshua Henry. Uh, it's going to take place at Town Hall, and tickets are going to go on sale for $50 a piece starting Wednesday, August 18th at 10 a.m. So if you want to go to that, like, oh. be at your and computer. And $50 bucks is not bad to see a Broadway-quality no. show. I mean, yeah, that's crazy. Bucks. Yeah. Sign me up. Right. Except I don't live in New York, so. Yeah, just flat to New York. Yeah, fine. <laughs> it costs more for my flight and accommodations than it will for my ticket to the theater. <laughs> Hey, nowadays that's a bargain, <laughs> right? For, for Hamilton, you would have had to like spend the ticket out there plus the, probably the same amount for your airplane ticket as for your ticket to the show. That's mm-hmm. very true. Airplane tickets are cheaper, really, <laughs> than Hamilton. Than Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, by a lot. Yeah, it's not even close. That's the sad part. See, so you're getting a deal. <laughs> um, and of course, that was. You can always find all of these articles plus more on BroadwayWorld.com. I encourage you to go check them out. Watch those teaser trailers for Willy Wonka. Let us know what you think. Um, all right, let's just dive into this. I want to start off kind of... Oh, we have a Slytherin on the we? chat roll. Yay, Slytherin Pride. Careful chat roll. <laughs> <laughs> we are good people. Hey, I want to encourage people to shout out what their house is, even if you're in, what, how do you pronounce it? Ivermorny? Ivermorny. I believe that's right. Um, shout out your house from that, too. Thunderbirds. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to say it on Pudgewood. Puckwoodgy. Puckwoodgy. Pudwoodgy. Whatever it well, is. Yeah, that thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <it's>, anyway, <laughs> back to this this little book at hand right here. This Cursed thing Child. Oh, and we have someone us. who's their first. It's This is their first um, time in the chat roll and after buzz. Welcome. Welcome to the um, chat. Let's just go through and quickly say kind of our overall impressions. Just a quick, not getting too <laughs> lengthy about Zach. it. Zach has lots of feelings. <laughs> if you didn't catch his tweet, he has much to say. I. Hate this so much. <gasps> I have been. A, I want to. I want to clarify. <laughs> I, I want to clarify that I have been a Harry Potter fan as long as Harry Potter has existed. I, when I was twelve, 
and I got a copy of Chamber of Secrets. Harry was twelve, and then Harry was thirteen, and I was thirteen, and Aww, Harry was fourteen, and I was fourteen. I grew until the books started coming out like mm-hmm. longer times. Like I grew with Harry Potter. I was pretty. And much as a kid one. with glasses and messy hair, I like connected so much with this character, and so I, this is this is my story. I'm very precious with this. I hate almost everything about this play. Oh, wow. And this script. I haven't seen the play, but, the, like, I thought the plot was outrageous in a bad way. It was non-inventive. I thought the characters were poorly, they were poor representations of their former selves. And there was just, like, very little good for me. I'm very curious to see whatever other people thought, because I've had been, like, containing myself since I finished it. Wow. And Jackie, what was your impression? Um, I have, I, I... I kind of straddled the line on this one because there are there are things that I I love. I mean, I love the idea of seeing Harry Potter as a play, and then again, I keep reminding myself, I'm like, this is not the medium we're supposed to be interacting uh, with this piece in. It's not supposed to be written down. So I have a feeling like if I was in a theater and all the Dementors flew in, we're, there are going to be spoilers, guys, and all the oh, Dementors, yeah, yeah, and all the Dementors flew in. I would be like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I, I'm in Harry Potter. You know, so there are there are certain things that I feel that <coughs> excuse me, experiencing as a play would be really cool. And then there's some things that I'm like, oh, this is just not hitting the mark or it's just not right for me. Okay. Tiana, what was your thoughts about it? I loved it. I loved being back in the Harry Potter world. I loved that I got to continue the story because the one thing I've missed in my life is more Harry Potter. I don't care what it's about. I love, you know, all things Harry Potter related. But I do agree that some, with Zach that some of the characters, for me, it seems like the, the character development just wasn't there for me where I was like, oh, that doesn't really seem like something that person would do from the person who I yeah. know from these books. But what I also had to remind myself is that in this script, we're not, like, what I loved about the books is that J.K. Rowling did so much. She went so deep to describe everything that was going on and what people were thinking and why they did their actions in ways. And for a script, you're not really going to get all of that. And she didn't actually write the script. She wrote the story. Yeah. So I think that's another thing that for me, whereas you're saying like Mm -hmm. this character doesn't ring exactly true, I feel that that might be in the act of writing the script, certain things got lost. Yeah, and then I think when you read something we read it differently and interpret it differently. So what happens on the stage could be something different than what I imagined in my head because I don't know what some of the words mean. But the thing, is, look up, but the thing is, like, I like for me at least, I'm used to reading scripts. Like, I read scripts all the time, so I'm used mm-hmm. to that format. Like, I actually thought that this read in terms of, like, how I could see this, like, what it looked oh, like yeah. on stage. I thought it read very well, and the, the scene descriptions were very good at, like, describing what was going to happen. I'm, like... I want to know how they're pulling half of this stuff off. Yes. I'm fascinated <laughs> yes. by how they're going to do, how they are doing this. But for me, it was nothing with the, that like, it was nothing that the play could, the, the problems that I had with it were nothing that the play was going to, like it being performed was going to correct because my problems were all in the plotting and the, like, and what the, in, what the characters actually did. Uh, like, it, look, it has a lot to live up to. So the the dialogue from Jack Thorne, like he's not J.K. Rowling, but it's still on it's still on him to deliver the characters that we're used to. And even if the lines maybe aren't like perfect, 
they're not behaving like themselves half the time. And the stuff is happening, even just little things. It's just like you, you're breaking the world. Like little magic things don't, yeah. like, you can't transfigure a person into another person. <laughs> like little stuff like that just like shines through because... Or the fact that it's, time is not a closed loop here, but it's a closed loop in the books. Yeah, time travel for me was, and I say this as a science fiction fan as well. I'm not. That was the next wow. one. Um, I this this did nothing to. There was no reason for this to be a, have been a time travel story because to go into time travel now when there have been so many stories, it needs to add something new. And it's, this I didn't think, add anything um, new to time travel. It didn't comment on the world that they live in. It just was a device that they used to basically do a fan fiction style tour of the original books that we didn't need to go back from. If you're going to do a new story, do something new. Don't go back to the Goblet of Fire. Don't go back to the Triwizard Tournament. Don't go back to Umbridge. Like, all that stuff is great as it stands in the original seven books, do something new. Do something fun. Something we haven't seen before. See, I'm I, much like Jackie. Yeah. I kind of straddled the line. Um, there was parts I really liked. There was parts I... I'm just going to use this wand the entire time, by the way. <laughs> um, there was parts I, I wished were different or didn't feel right to me um, as a fan of the book series. Um, but overall, like, it wasn't, it wasn't something I'm probably going to read again. Like... The, what, the originals I go back to. I reread them all the time. I don't know if I'll reread this. But would you see it as a play? We'll get to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> did you not read the rundown, Jack? I did read the rundown. <laughs> Gryffindors don't read. Just kidding. Um, there are lots of Gryffindors in the chat role, and I want to also shout out to Jack, who's in the chat role. Um, I, you know what's interesting, though, is I think that what bothers you, the whole, like, fan fiction-y going back to the books, I think that they wanted to put that in a play just because they know that a lot of people who are coming to see the play might want to see live reenactments of actual, like, scenes that they know. But and then, I think that's not, whether it's good or bad, they're pandering to, like, a certain fan expectation. If you want to do that, then adapt Sorcerer's Stone into a play. Like, do, do that. If you want to do that, do that. But to, to call this the eighth story, and that's on marketing more than anything else, like to yeah. call this the eighth story, that is a big thing to say. Because you're talking about seven books that are just among the best pieces of literature of our generation, mm -hmm. if not the best of our generation. Mm -hmm. And so to say, like, this is the eighth part of the story is to put it on par, is trying to put it on par with that. And this is just like, it's adjunct to it and I think it actually steps on stuff from it like this uh, like I know we're, I'm nitpicking on some specifics but the, tr the the trolley witch when did she turn into Terminator hey I don't, that was one of my favorite parts actually I, I actually feel like the like Jack Thorne or J.K. Like one of these people fell asleep on the couch during a Harry Potter marathon on like on HBO and woke up in the middle of Terminator 2 because why was the trolley which it, the way the way it described it at least in the book is that she suddenly had spikes on her hands yeah. and was like a controlling like mystical force and not a person I also like that she claimed to be the reason that Sirius didn't get off the train yeah yeah <laughs> like no further explanation than that just I stopped him I was like but you couldn't get to them in time 
<laughs> stop them. Okay. It just but I, I when when else in the in the books have we seen anything about like a, a person being like a controlled force? Yeah. That's something, and like I'm all for new stuff, but you've taken a what was like a sweet, like innocent character and turned her into a machine. Well, and part of it was too. It wasn't just that she was turned. Is that a lot of the stuff that they did like that? I felt didn't have explanations behind them. Like she just was like, I took over this job from this person. I'm just gonna say right now, that's actually one of my favorite parts in the entire <laughs> script is the trolley witch because to me, what this script lacks a lot is that kind of like weird sometimes dark humor that J.K. Rowling has that really, like, is throughout all of her scripts. And I'm sorry, but the, like, whole, like, Harry Potter being afraid of pigeons thing is not doing it for me as far as, like, oh, we have to find something funny. Let's stick this in. But to me, I don't know why, and it's obviously, we've, we have not seen the show, but to me that could be really, really hilarious if you see it. Like... I'm not sure what kind of special effects you can do, but I I, I don't think that it's going to come off as menacing well, or let's as get, humorous. Let's start getting to like the actual storyline, kind of breaking parts down of it. Um, I want to talk about what did you guys think about the fact that they made Albus Severus, um, Harry Potter's son, a Slytherin? At first, I at first I really liked it. Um, you know, I, I actually liked it. I'm in the middle. I didn't. Um, like I liked the idea of a Potter being a Slytherin. I think that dynamic's really cool. But for, like, the majority of the book, I thought that neither Scorpius or Albus had any business being in Slytherin. <laughs> like, especially Scorpius. Would you ever... Like, that character is so not ambitious. <laughs> I think he's ambitious. They're trying to make him seem ambitious in kind of a Hermione way. Like, they did that... They showed it tiny bits of his academic. Been, yeah. And not, I'm not just saying this because it's my house, but, but he should have been in Ravenclaw. I agree with he that. He should have been. Because like, <laughs> I thought, thought, I thought that. Been. Albus, like, by the end of it, we realized that, like, he was amb- his ambition was to be, was to match his father's legacy. And I get that. Like, I got that at the end. But at no point did I really think Scorpius had high ambitions. If anything, he seemed pretty comfortable. His dad even just, calls him a follower at one point. Yeah. Yeah. I see where you're coming from, but and I, but I think that um, J.K. Rowling is operating from a place of trying to make Slytherin not seem like the bad house. Because when you read through the books, you're like, gosh, like most of the Death Eaters were from Slytherin. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, kind of like, hey, good people can come from Slytherin. Right, too. and it's yeah. only it's only until you get to the very end where you're like, where you're like, okay, we have uh, one hero from Slytherin, but like everybody else still seems kind of like jerktastic so then then she has then she has um in the ivermorny ever ilvermorny um story the character comes from the line of salazar slytherin so when she starts the american house it's like based on a serpent and so you're like okay i can see where this history is coming from where she's trying to say hey not all slytherins are evil and i think having a story about slytherins and kind of showing a different side of draco as well was her way of of trying to like show that the house is not all evil because you can't just say, oh, just because of Snape, this house isn't fully evil. Because Snape was, at one point, a Death Eater. So I think it's, like, it's her trying to say, I didn't just create a house of evil people, I yeah. swear. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And, like, I appreciate And that's why I say, like, I think Albus actually could belong in Slytherin. Because Slytherin is defined by ambition. But Scorpius, just, like, he didn't have that kind of drive. <laughs> that just, it, it, like, I actually really love the character of Scorpius. I think he was the strongest character in the book. And maybe just because he's an unknown quantity. 
but he was my, he was the only thing I was really interested in following. Uh, but he is not ambitious. Like just that that minor decision. Like familial lines are fine, but like that if the sorting hat <laughs> is supposed to be putting you into a house based on your personality, it didn't do it right. Maybe it's yet to be seen from Scorpius. I actually it's true. Um, Sylvain. I actually had a huge problem also with the fact that they kept referring to being like, oh, Potter, a Potter and, and Slytherin, a Potter and Slytherin, but he's also half like Weasley. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's also Weasley and Slytherin. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. Two, that, the two like long term <laughs> Gryffindor houses. Like, yeah. They just like, no, we're not going to mention that he's a Weasley at all. <laughs> but I like that they put him in Slytherin, Albus in Slytherin, because, you know, it was one of the things that Harry battled for. Years yeah. was, you know, the part of him that could have belonged in Slytherin, and now he has a child who is in Slytherin. Then I thought we were going to see more of how Harry would handle that specific part, yeah, instead of what we saw. But I mean, it was, I mean, I think that would have been, yeah, more and fun. To, to, to answer what uh, Salma and Chaos are saying, like the sorting hat, it says that it, it can take suggestions yeah. for what house you want, but suggestions or it takes your choice into consideration is the, the phrase in the book but it's still going to place you in the house you belong in it's not going to be like well and i know even you say think that. you're smart well, but i'm not gonna that. they even say that in this play because it seems like it seems like um it seems like albus wants to be in gryffindor but the hat is just like not listening to him no i think he wanted to be the way i read it and this is something that i i thought was i appreciated the the symmetry between the originals and the original story and this was that albus got the, just the way that harry could have been in either gryffindor or slytherin when he first got to hogwarts but he had met ron on the train and had instantly bonded with him so he wanted to be in gryffindor so albus met uh, met Scorpius on the train, instantly bonded with him, saw Scorpius get sorted into Slytherin, and now wanted to be in Slytherin so he could be with his friend. And I appreciated the symmetry there, that they both could have been in either house, but because of their friends, they wound up in different places. That's really cool. And like Harry is defined by his friends, and so will Albus. Yeah, that's a really cool way to look at it. I hadn't even thought of that as a concept of it. Um, I was a little annoyed that we didn't get to really meet any of the other children at all. We Where got to is be- Teddy Lupin? Where? Yes. Where? Thank Where you. Is Teddy Thank you, Why was Rose such a witch? Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Why was Rose? I was like, you're a Weasley. Right? Be right. nice. I was like, Hermione would slap you for hating someone just because they're in Slytherin. Right? It, that part made me mad, too, because Hermione's one of my favorite characters in the original books, and... And I think too many people you can you can see a forceful woman as a biatch, and I'm like it's not fair to turn like to interpret Rose as Hermione's daughter into just a total like jerk person where she's like I'm not hanging out with you because you're a Slytherin. Really? That's your cousin still. Right? You grew could, up together. You're best friends. It your doesn't mom matter. Started spew. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Like I could totally see that character winding up that way with a busy mom. Ron is like sort of like wacky, and like you could see, and like she is a celebrity child. She is, so you could see her being a little bit more like that. What I can't stand is the way that Hermione is portrayed in this book because they make her seem incompetent at times and just dumb at others. Like the way that she can't, she's been elected minister for magic, um, which I was thrown off by because I think in the at least in the American minister books they, it's Minister of Magic. Yeah, I did the same thing. But I like, was like, what? Whatever. <laughs> uh, I was confused, but I let it go. Um, but she's elected minister, 
And then she has, like, trouble controlling, like, being forceful in, in her role. And then, like, hiding the time turner behind a riddle. Like, I thought at first, that like, really oh, oh, this is, like, this is intentional because that's, like, she wants somebody to be able to find it who's worthy of finding it. Like the like, like, like a Dumbledore, yeah, sort of. That's what like, I thought it was going to be too. No, she was. Why would you hide it? You know, why wouldn't you? This is what I've always, I've always wondered with like magic, like riddles and stuff. Why wouldn't you just put a, a spell on it that's like only I can access <laughs> this thing? Well, I just think this goes back to the fact that the characters not quite fitting into their roles as they did in the books. Yeah, yeah. Because with Hermione in that scene, kind of a little bit before, what made me mad at her was when she didn't know that Polyjuice potion had been yeah. used and that wasn't actually Ron that she was talking to. And when she tastes <laughs> and when, it, she smells yeah. the smell. And she, like, Hermione would have gotten that Hermione instantly. would have picked... And even if she walked away, she would have come back and been like, wait a second, Ron's acting really weird and mm-hmm. something's going on. Or at least... Ron's acting weird plus a smell that's, like, familiar to Polyjuice potion, which she is very, very familiar, familiar with. with. She would have been like, she would oh, have wait, put something hell together. no. <laughs> that or I was waiting for... Okay, maybe she didn't pick on it up on it right away but at some point she went home and had another discussion with her husband being like so what's this talk about having another baby and he's like what are you talking about so at some point she had to have started to put the right the pieces together to figure out what they were up to before the end of the book when it was I like also, revealed i also got very mad at how ron was portrayed because he was just being like he oh such a dope. he's not smart at all either which he was he had he was dumb in the books in ways but he was also smart yeah. In other yeah. ways. And they just kind of gave him nothing to do. He, They're like, he's just there. Oh, I'm I just going to so stand fun. next to you guys because you're up there. Oh, I'm just going to go with you guys because you're going. Oh, I'm just going to do this because Padma tells me to. Like, <laughs> there, there, was, there, there was the hint of something very interesting, though, that they got to that I wasn't sure they were going to do, where it became in, like this balance of Ron is the the husband of the the leader of the of the of the Wizards. magical world yeah. like uh at least in Britain and he runs a joke shop and i think that's where he would honestly want to be i don't think he would want a government job yeah. but that has to cause but I'm like your brothers own a joke shop kind like one of his brothers died. So. I know. Well, so did he just take over for the brother? I yeah, guess. that's yeah. what i thought that was that's... what they established in the original books. Did they? But I can't I remember. remember I can't that. remember where that where that was established. But I, I knew that that was I knew that before going into this book from something. Okay. Um, and I actually think that that's exactly what he would want to do is work with his family, work on jokes that he like always kind of like he always enjoyed silly things. Like he's yeah. smart and he wouldn't be the one may, necessarily maybe making the coming up with all the jokes, but he could run the business side. Yeah. And I think that that's absolutely that character. But I would. But the they hinted at this like semi inferiority complex but with him and Hermione because it is this like weird disparity of like what they do for a living. Yeah. But they didn't explore that enough. Like if you're gonna go into this, like that's where this should be See and I think that's, that's the interesting human part of the story. Yeah, and I think that's the thing about the show and the script as well is that coming into it I knew it was gonna be more about Harry's child, but I still thought that we were still gonna see all these characters that we know, I'm more excited to know what they're up to, really, than what their kids are doing at school. I would have rather seen the story explore them in adulthood. It's also hard because you're coming into the story and you're following these kids, and the first three, four years of go by Just, so quickly because you have to get to the storyline, and you don't really know these children still yet. 
Like, you know that they're the children of these people, but what do I know about Rose? What do I know about Albus? Like, besides that he's manic depressive. <laughs> that, was, that was the thing, though. I think that there wasn't the proper... They, they wanted to do two things. They wanted to do a story about the characters that we knew and where they are now, and they wanted to tell a story about their kids. But they ended up doing half of both, and so both were only halfway developed, as opposed to just doing a, doing a story that focuses on the next generation, and then they could have done a bigger, more full story with that, or focusing on the adults and really focusing on their relationships and what has happened to them in the 19 years since Deathly Hollows. So what you're saying is that even in the script, Harry outshined his son. Harry's presence made it harder for his son to be noticed. Yeah. Basically. But in a but but like and I while that while I appreciate that that's what the story is trying to say, it did it in a way that was not intentional. Yeah, I mean, and there was aspects I liked. Like I liked that you know this is his I believe it was his fourth year at Hogwarts, and they brought him back to the events that happened in his father's fourth year at Hogwarts. Like I liked bringing us back to fan loving moments. Oh, that's what made it fan fiction for me. No, I know it did, but it still is like that little heartwarming tingle, like where I don't follow the story completely but I'm like oh look at the invisibility cloak oh look at this oh like you know it's just those little tingle moments of like my past my my childhood growing up like I'd rather just go listen to Jim Dale read me the story (laughs) so I think what was more interesting to me was the fact that Albus is not enjoying and loving Hogwarts it's not this place for him that it was for Harry and I that's that's the most interesting thing to me and to see his interactions with Scorpius, it it's funny because I don't know if you guys have you seen Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion? Yes. Where um I I think it's Romy's character who's looking back at high school and is like, Oh, I wanted to be this popular kid and I wanted to be this and like this experience was so terrible. And there's a moment where Michelle's like, I just we always had a blast. I thought we had a blast on our own and I didn't even like pay attention to that. And so it, it, this kind of had that moment for me where maybe the kids realize, like, yeah, I'm not the popular kid, or yeah, I'm like, I'm not doing the the coolest, most world breaking things ever, like my dad was. But I do have a good friend, and we are having a blast. And I think that's kind of like what Scorpius is teaching yeah. Albus. Like, we're we're having a good time here on our own. We don't need to be, you know, saving the world. I also like the flip that they did because it was Harry that loved Hogwarts and it was a sanctuary for him and it was an escape for him and it was one of the happiest times of his life. And then we find out for Draco, it wasn't that and he kind of hated it. Right. And which you never know in the books. They never really I mean, you can tell. You can tell, but we never get to hear his side, is what I'm saying. And then you flip over to their children and his child loves Hogwarts and it's escaped from him because his mother's gone and... He doesn't feel connected to his father in that way. And then for the other one, it's like, I hate this because I'm just supposed to be my dad. Yeah. I like the character development on Draco, too. I like that mm. we we see um, Draco trying to figure out how to be a parent and Draco being a, like a, definitely a better person. Than the Malfoys were written better than the Potters in this yeah. story. <laughs> Maybe they were written by a Slytherin. <laughs> Maybe. Then do that story! <laughs> like, don't give us all this stuff around. I'm not gonna, just going off this. I also course. just, I think one of the best moments for me, like one of the best written moments for me was them fighting, just Scorpius and Albus fighting because Albus just keeps making everything about him. Mm-hmm. Which is what Harry was always accused of doing. Right. Yeah. And so Scorpius being like, your Harry life isn't wasn't. bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 
But I understand this kid's plight, okay? I'm a middle child, too. Me, too. And I had a very smart brother ahead of me. So when I got to high school and all the honors teachers were like, oh, Hobson, I didn't see you in my curriculum or my syllabus or whatever it's called, my class list. And I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't test into honors. Like, no big deal. They put me in honors because I was his sister. And then I was like, look, I'm not Tommy Hobson. I I will not get these kind of grades. I ended up flunking out of honors, everything, and going just back to, like, remedial. But in that moment, I was like, I don't want to be labeled as his sister. I want to be my own person. So as I was reading this, I was like, okay, Albus, I get it. You don't want to live in your dad's footsteps. But you have an older brother who's already been going through this school. So why does, like, why do you think everyone's looking at you specifically? They would have been looking at him, too. Like I think because not... James is li- sort of living up to his father's letter. Because he's like, do, James was good at Quidditch yeah, and stuff, he, right? Like, yeah. you know, he had good grades. So, like, he seems he... to be, like, following in Harry's footsteps, if not saving the world because the world's not in danger. <laughs> he's at least, like, doing as good at school as he can. I just, and but just see, that's why I wanted to know more about James and Lily. Like, I wanted to, like, know what the relationship was. They didn't have a relationship with him at all, but why don't they have a relationship with him? Yeah. Like. We don't know any of There's this. Like we, we found out in, in the original books why certain Weasleys didn't get along with each other. We found out different dynamics of families. Like we don't have that here because it's too short of a period of time that they're trying to rush through. That yep. we can't build a backstory. Because well, they spent all this time going back in time <laughs> instead very... of staying in the present and telling that story. It's very Back to the Future of them. Um, to yeah. Do the time travel thing. And what was your guys' thoughts on how much magic was used in this? Like, because I know we talked about it a little bit because we haven't seen the play and how are they going to pull this off? Do you think it Let's... was wise of them to put so much? Maybe it'll distract from the plot problems. <laughs> if they pull it I off, do. if it works, it works. Like the Dementor thing, if that works as well as it reads like it would, I would be a, like on the floor. Like that that sounds awesome. I do think that 10 years ago they could not have done this play this way. But I think now with the technology that we have and, you know, so many creative people that I want to, I finished the book and was like, I have to fly to London just to see the special effects of this or show. Or just because wait till New York next year. Yeah, I mean, but, like, I want to go to London just to go to London. Um, so, you know, I'm at everything that I was reading, I would sometimes stop and just be like, what the heck did I just read? And how is that happening on stage right now? Yeah. And so, for me, that was, you know, really exciting to see. And it's something that I know that if they tried to do right after the movies had ended, it wouldn't have worked out. But we're at a time now where it could work, and I'm really excited to see how it's happening yeah so i mean i want to know if most of it is actually done in a creative way on stage or is it done in a way that's like oh poof of smoke and we walk off and we come back and we're now it's a a new thing like oh we traveled through the pipes but you i mean the way it. it's yeah. described it sounds like it's very they, they plan on some very intricate effects like the fact that the, the i don't even know what the swimming looks like like they're they're right? underwater is there at water on stage are they in a tank all of a sudden yeah these so are the things that are it's going hard to mind. say without like spending two thousand dollars on tickets no that's for the flights it's both <laughs> so really quickly i do want to go over because we're getting towards... wait how voldemort had a kid when his like soul Whoa. was split yeah. into like uh, yeah. seven what or eight did you pieces guys, what did you guys think of delphi i like actually you know and this is where the this is again where the book gets like angry fans being like this is too fanficy. now they have a kid blah 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 i didn't actually mind that part what I'm, what was bothersome to me was like, how do you get from this guy who's kind of like become 
his soul has become so split, he's almost like sexless and he's missing a nose and probably other parts. Um, I never imagined him having that major part. Right? Like, how did he have a kid? And why is Bellatrix Lestrange's husband in Azkaban just like, Eh, oh well, because they you had do anything for Lord Voldemort, it wouldn't yeah. matter to him. Yeah, I mean, a lot. I've heard a lot of people describe Voldemort as asexual. Um, like it's just something that doesn't interest he him. He literally looks like a snake. I my how did that, he have a child? That's my, hot to some people, not me. Yeah. Um, but my thought. Tiana on likes it, noses. <laughs> that's what we're talking about. Keep your nose on your face. Keep your nose on your, your face. Nose face. Um, but my thought on it was that so towards the end of the story, where the, where she would have been or conceived uh, at this point Voldemort has sort of learned that like the the legend of like he's protected by love I think that this probably was he's somebody who experiments with magic so I think this was his attempt to experiment with the magic of love and what the most base version of that would be would be sex and there's the person who's closest to him would be Bellatrix and like then a child is just part of what happens with that. I think he's I think he's attempting to like find a way to protect himself even more using love since it's the only magic he has okay. not been able to conquer. That to me is a more even like more interesting story that I wish like part two was like <laughs> Voldemort's courtship of better <laughs> um, I was like completely okay with it and it's because I watched the very Potter musicals. <laughs> and in them like Voldemort and Bellatrix get it on like the entire time. He, he does not care about her at all. He like wants to have sex with her and then like throws her away. So that's just in my head what happened was that part of the very part of the <laughs> And now we're back to Harry. Or <laughs> maybe he watched, he just watched The Lion King when Scar's like, immortality will be mine. Because he wants to have a kid with Nala. Um, wait, guys, but the most epic part of this whole like having a baby thing is that Bellatrix popped out a kid and then went to the Battle of Hogwarts. I could totally see That's that. true. Like, she just gave birth and was like, okay, see you later. I'm going to go off and fight in this huge battle. Yeah, but <laughs> I could see that because she would she'd care more about Voldemort than she would about the kid, so. That's true, but it's Voldemort's kid, so you'd think she'd have some sort of inkling. Yeah, or even, like, her body just wouldn't be physically able to just Or do go you think at some point fight. someone would have noticed, like, who is that pregnant Death Eater who keeps attacking yeah. people? Like, Harry and them interacted with Bellatrix before the Battle of Maybe Hogwarts. Maybe she the Malfoy yeah, Manor. She, like, she could have hit him there with a charm. Um... I mean, like, I, I didn't, I liked the twist. Like, I actually didn't necessarily see the Delphi being an evil twist that. coming. Uh, I saw that coming the entire time. I mean, I didn't trust her Slither. the entire time, but I didn't know what her deal was. I didn't see that she was going to be. Yeah, I knew there was something up, but, like, I didn't think she was going to actually be evil. And then she kept disappearing so much that I kept forgetting about her for a little while, and then she'd pop back in, and I'm like, oh yeah, this girl, how old are you? Why does he have a crush on, like, is this like a Demi Moore thing going on or something? Yeah. Like, what is, how old well, are you? definitely a May-December <laughs> thing going on, and then I was like, but I'm, like, again, I'm one of those people that when I was reading it, I was like, Severus, or Scorpius and Albus, um, are 14. Oh my gosh, they were so gay for each other. Sometimes. Yes! <laughs> oh my gosh, yes! at one point they were hugging, I was like, kiss, kiss! Just kiss him! And then he asked Rose out, who's been, like, a dick to him. Yeah, like, but he's, like, like, been in love with her the entire time you're reading it. Yeah, like, but then they had some very 
homoerotic moments. They're just like ginger. I'm sorry, but Scorpius is definitely bisexual, Look, it, and Albus <laughs> and definitely has the hots for Scorpius. It was like Sam and Frodo all up in the yeah. But again, okay. it's just like they they didn't develop these characters enough that like we just we just we we don't know, and we also don't know how they were portrayed on stage. That's true. That could have come down a lot to direction in That's a new true. version of the Very Potter musicals because they do have a scarf of sexual preference in those musicals, <laughs> and we will find out. So see, there you go. All right. <laughs> the one other, one other character that I just like was very frustrated with in terms of behavior. Uh, I was annoyed well, that they brought Snape in because I. Oh my god! When I when I here's the thing is like <laughs> I don't understand so so I don't bad. understand how that particular scene could do any fan service because a when when I was a kid and I read the first book before the movie was cast I was like. This has to be played by Alan Rickman because there's literally no other British actor who can play Snape. Like, that was the first thing that came to my head. And I know so many people see Alan Rickman as synonymous as Snape. Mm-hmm. And now that he's dead and not able to play Snape, it just seems to me wrong to have any other actor play it, that role. It was also just wrong. Like, there were two moments in this story that were supposed to be, like, big emotional, like, come, like, come to Jesus moments, for lack of a better term. Uh, it's the moment with Harry and the painting of Dumbledore and Scorpius and Snape when they're like, they have this emotional, but like you're stepping on the big emotional climaxes from the, from the books. There was no need for that because we already got all of that information and all of those emotions. All you're doing is spelling out things that were written very, very well in subtext Spelling it out is lazy and unnecessary to tell this story. All you're doing is, like, adding extra commentary to the other story, not your own. I agree with that. Um, I do want to go quickly, since we're getting towards the end, over just the main actors in the play. And I did put them side by side with their counterparts of film, but that's just because... It's just for me. It's nothing saying <laughs> I need to look like these people like or that. anything like that. Yeah. Um, okay, so first up, we have Paul Thornley. He was Ron Weasley. And this is him next to, of course, Rupert Grint. What I like about this is that they have the same smile. Yeah, right they now. have the same expression. They have the same expression. So it kind of works. I mean, I buy him as Ron. I just need his hair to be more orange. I don't know. Like, I looked at things from the play, and it was, like, just not think, orange enough. Didn't He's they a, die? Yeah. They did die, but they it probably. wasn't the orange enough hair. Well, he's graying at this point, right? I don't care. Um, and this actually is more, he's more like Book Ron, because Book Ron is tall and lanky. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they swapped it with Fred and George, just casting. Like, I'm fine with that movie casting, but like, it's just, they're honoring at least how the character was described originally. Um, up next we had, uh, and I, I'm sorry if I, I mispronounced her name. Does anyone know how to say it correctly? Nope. Uh, Norma Dumbswinny? Maybe I'm sure. sorry if I get it wrong. Dumas um, Winnie, Dumas Winnie. She she of course played Hermione, uh, and there of course was a lot of controversy, there was a lot of about, controversy about that, which one. I don't understand. There's a lot of controversy. I don't know why anybody cares. Like, yeah, J.K. It, Rowling did sort of put her foot in her mouth when he said there were when although when she said there's no reference to Hermione yeah, skin because there is there is and I don't I want to be clear I don't care because it has nothing to do with her character. Yeah, it literally yeah. has. It, it would be different if like. If like Hermione was a white supremacist in the book, and then like, okay, well, well, I see how this could like, this could be that a was little the best, yeah. almost spit take I've ever seen. It would be, you know, what it would. But be, see, it would, since it has nothing to do with her character, you're like, 
Well, it really doesn't matter. And, My, and to, yeah. to be honest, this actress is probably, out of all of the people that have been cast in the production, she's probably the person that has the most theater experience. My main thing um, is... She's, she's toured with the Royal Shakespeare Company. Yeah. She's worked at the Globe. It's like... And the others have little bits of it, but hers is so extensive that you're like, this is probably the best person you could have cast because of her experience. My main thing is Hermione is a fictional character. Yeah, it <laughs> is. True. It's a fictional character. And also, in the theater, it... It gives more freedom for interracial castings and mixings of, right, yeah. of that kind of thing because it's the theater. You're using your imagination for the majority of it, so it just it shouldn't matter. Like, look, there are characters. There are characters in any story where sometimes race is important to the character. That's what it I is very true. <laughs> but like, but this is just this, this is, is just not, not one, one of those characters. Like, no. yeah. my hair right now is. Probably pretty much how Hermione's, Hermione's hair, hair would is be. described yeah. in the book. So I mean, yeah, if we're gonna get could... on on that, then her, Emma Watson's hair was nowhere near Hermione's yeah. hair. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Emma Watson's much prettier than Hermione was Ever described, described yeah. to be. So the only time she was remotely Hermione-ish to me was the first movie when they did that huge. Oh, they did yeah. the huge hair, the huge yeah. Hair. yeah. But I, I mean, the thing is, is like not you don't always cast movies based on entirely like. Like, uh, the the what's his face who played Harry Potter and his name? Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, his eyes. His, his eyes were not green, which is Harry Potter's eyes were green. So it's like, if we're gonna be, we don't need to be sticklers. We need to be casting people who can play roles. Yes. Yeah. Are they good at the role? Yes. All right. Okay. Yeah. Move on. Um, Who's next? <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Parker is next. Uh, he played Harry Potter. He looks perfect. Like, which, yeah, he was like, little, yeah, he seems very Potter esque. With the hair thing there? Yeah, I mean, you gotta mess up his hair. He has the hair that we didn't get in the the films. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) He's got the messy hair. He looks so serious, though, which is the one, like, Harry Potter to me was always, like, on the brink of serious, and every picture, it could be different when you watch it, but every picture I've seen from the play, he's just very serious looking, and I'm like, Harry was always a little bit... He was both. I think because he's old and he's kind of like it seems like he's at having some sort of midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is. I yeah, mean. he kind of probably misses um, the adventures. And then we have Popper Mill- Miller played Ginny Potter. I almost said yeah. Weasley because I can't oh. say Potter. It's really weird. Uh, sorry, I'm gonna complain again. Okay. Um, Ginny was also severely underwritten. Yeah, she was. She had, like, all she was there to do was to keep Harry in check. Yeah, and she wasn't even behaving, she wasn't, there were two moments, I think, where I thought she behaved like Ginny. When she breaks up the duel between Malfoy and yes. uh, and, and Harry, mm-hmm. or Harry and Draco, to be, since there's two Malfoys. Mm-hmm. Um, that felt very Ginny. And I think there was a moment towards the end when Well, she figures out Delphi's plan before anybody else. Yes, exactly. Because Ginny is one of the smartest (laughs) witches around, like, in terms of, like, especially battle and, like, how to go about things. And she's reduced to, like, a a whiny housewife. And and then they, like, mention the fact that she edits the sports page. Which still doesn't really make much sense to me. Ginny editing I mean, she was into sports, but it never says she was into sports and such a way that I think she would be a sports editor. No, I th- well, that was a- this was established in some uh, post book like uh, Pottermore stuff. Oh, okay, what she was doing because uh, she was she was she loved Quidditch. No, like, I know. It was she a was big on the Quidditch thing. team, um, and like I could totally see her doing that. I don't know. Like, I always figured I, she'd be more like an aura. No, I because I think a lot of with the exception of Harry, who is very much defined by his like defense against the dark arts past. 
I think most of the rest of them are going to want to get as far away from that as possible. And, like, after the darkness that they had to live through as kids, Ginny is going to... I totally see Ginny wanting to be like, I just want to talk about Quidditch for the rest (laughs) of my life and do nothing else. And she can still be a powerful person while doing that. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, I just, I was so mad because, like, I love Ginny so much. Like, because I always identify with Harry, I fell in love with Ginny <laughs> as he did. And now you date a redhead. Yes. <laughs> I that wonder why. Lived his entire life. Like <laughs> Based on Harry Potter's life. You're not wrong. <laughs> this is why I'm so mad, guys, because I. I care a lot about this story, and I didn't feel like this this book or this play script did justice to the thing that I love. Um, up next, we have Alec Prince, who played Draco Malfoy. He's so cute. That Look still him. of him is scary as hell. Yeah, <laughs> I love and the ponytail. Yeah, like, you can see the ponytail. I'm living back. for the ponytail. <laughs> It's like Draco. Like I hope that in the play when you're watching it, he like flips it. Yeah, <laughs> but I also love the ponytail because I loved um, the who's the actor who played Lucius. He oh, had that uh, long, oh, yeah, he had that yeah, long yeah, yeah. hair, yeah. and he had a ponytail. Yeah, he had a ponytail point. too. Um, next we have Sam Clement who played Albus Severus Potter. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. adorable. He's cute. Um, this brings me back. I did have a problem with this because I can't remember from the end of the book. I forgot to reread it to make sure. But in the end of the film. They show all the Potter and Weasley kids getting into the same compartment with each other and taking off on the train, which would t- completely destroy the beginning of this script. So I just had to mention that. That is true. Because he wouldn't... It, it, I don't know. Based on the movie. Based on is, the movie. I don't know if true. the book had said that they got into the same compartment or not. So I don't know if they wanted... If that's the well, case... Getting in the same car different. doesn't mean getting in the same compartment. No, they were in the same compartment and sitting and waving to their parents out the window. Well, this is actually an interesting question that I have. And I'm uh, let, let us know in the comments what you guys think. Is this play supposed to be canon to the yes. books or to the movies? Books. books. Okay. But that's why I said I forgot because to the end. in the books, because they, they use movie lore a bunch in this. In the books, um, time travels a closed loop. And in the books, uh, there's never a mention of Voldemort ha- not having a nose. That is a pure movie creation. Yeah. He has a but snake-like... They, specifically, they, they say snake-like nose in the book, don't they? Or like just no, snake-like snake, face. Snake eyes. eyes. His eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, they never say that in the books, but that is something that the movie's created, that, the book, that this script specifically mentions. I feel like this mentions. script is supposed to be books, but because the mass audiences have not read the books... You have to go based on what people have seen in the movies. Mass well. audience, go read. Yeah, but then, yeah, think, but then, then in the movies, people... like Luna and Neville have a relationship, but they don't in the books, and then they don't in they this don't play. In this. Yeah, um, sorry, because well, we don't have to yeah. wrap it up. Last right. no, but Neville's have, married to someone else. Last person we have is Anthony yes, Boyle, like, who played Scorpius Malfoy. I couldn't um, put a side by side because the only thing I could find for him from the film was a back of the head while he's hugging his mom goodbye. Um, I know we have to wrap, Jonathan. Would you mind just putting that up really fast? <laughs> we want pictures. We want pictures. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean everybody like we gotta look, get the, to Rose. the casting. I did. I, she wasn't main enough for me to like create put her. In the See, that was the other thing that bugged me is like I was getting all hyped up because I was like Hermione and Ron have a kid and it's gonna be awesome. And then they just don't use her a lot. Like no. they really, she's they way underused. Yeah, they have a son too. That they I know, but like it, they built up like. In the in the press, they build up Rose to be this like character that's like sharing equal time, but she's not. Okay, so yeah. since we have to finish this up, um, I'm gonna go around and there's two questions. Just answer them quickly. Uh, is this bet would this have worked better if they had made it a novel and gotten more into it than a script? And two, if it, you get a chance, will you go see the play? 
Jackie. Yes, I'll see the play. Um, the novel question, it'd have to be something different written by J.K. Rowling. Like, this, to me, I can't even make a comparison. Um, I will see the play, but I'm not going to, like, fly across the country for it. Um, I'll see it when it comes to L.A., probably. Um, it would not have helped to be a book because the problems are purely in the story. is not the format. It's the, it's the story that they based it on. Yes, I will go see the play, and hopefully in London, just because I want to go to London. Um, and I actually, as I was reading this, I wished that it was a novel instead of a play, because I think that with J.K. Rowling's magic, it the story would have been developed more, and she would have given us more background to the characters, because she would have had the time, because we know she's not afraid to put out a 700-page book, so she would have given us all of that meatiness that this is lacking. I also will go see it when it comes probably to LA, not going to fly somewhere to see it, um, just to see how it's put on for yeah, the magic exactly, uses. Yeah. Um, I do think that it would have worked better maybe as a couple novel series just to give us background on the characters and just to kind of get through some of those earlier years and not such a quick time pace. Um, so guys, that is the end of our show. Um, I do want to do a quick shout out to our engineer, Alexis Torres, who was in studio last week and engineers for us a lot. Uh, you can reach her at atorres890 on Twitter. She just got engaged yesterday. And it's her birthday, birthday today. And it's her so birthday. So wish her happy birthday. Congratulate on her engagement. Um, and shout out to our actual engineer, Jonathan. And actual <laughs> Jonathan is our engineer today. today. Uh, I don't know if you have a Twitter, Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can find me, bfibs14, everywhere, pretty much. And you can find me at the Tiana Hobson. Tweet all your angry tweets <laughs> to me at that Zach Wilson. I'm one two three Jackie B on all platforms, including Twitter. And I want to give a shout out to Omar, who was the person who wrote that comment I, I on iTunes that I said I would <laughs> oh, nice. mention. All right. Mischief managed. Mischief, Mischief managed. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.